0: Welcome to Pit Pass Moto, the show that brings you deep dive interviews with the motorcycle industry insiders and racers that make the sport move. I'm Dale Spangler, and in this episode, my guest is the founder and longtime owner of the RPM off-road racing team, Mike Hurlburt. This episode is brought to you by Moto America, home of AMA Superbike Racing and North America's premier motorcycle road racing series. Rewatch every round of the 2023 series and revisit all the season's action with the Moto America Live Plus video on demand streaming service. Or visit the Moto America YouTube channel for race highlights and behind the scenes video content. Look for the 2024 race schedule to be announced soon over on the MotoAmerica.com website and be sure to follow Moto America on social media for real time series updates and original content. Let's get started with this week's episode. i'm thrilled to welcome today's guest he's the owner and founder of the rpm racing ktm team mike hurlberg mike how are you today
1: what's happening i'm good dale we're sitting at my home office in washington state looking out at a really rainy stormy day which is pretty typical for washington november december january which is somewhat why we come up with some pretty darn good riders in the difficult terrain environments that happen in motorcycle racing and off-road racing.
0: Yeah, it's got to be like, I mean, I think Washington is one of those states where you can get everything from desert in the eastern half to full-on, you know, temperate rainforest in the West End. There's been guys that have come out of there like Jason Rains and- Tristan Hart. Yep, Tristan Hart. Yeah, I mean, you've had some good people come out of Washington
1: State, that's for sure. Yeah.
0: Well, this is kind of like your off-season, I guess you could say that, right? So you're probably prepping for 2024 race season, I assume?
1: Yeah, and backing up, Tristan Hart's not from Washington State. He's from Canada. But oh, yeah, he's Canadian, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> but I'm 20 minutes from the Canadian border. So I see a lot of the Canadian riders. I meet them. We used to race a lot up through there. So you kind of see the talent developing to the north. And uh, Tristan Hart was quite noticeable uh, a few years ago. And uh, yeah, we're getting ready. We're working on getting ready for photo shoot. You know, finalizing with sponsors. Pretty, pretty wrapped up with the sponsor world right now. And now it's getting ready for photo shoot and and uh, video and all the fun stuff to uh, promote our team and our riders for 2024.
0: Well, you've been running this team now since 2001. Wow, that's incredible! Congratulations on that. So, how did this all begin? And like, where did this passion to start a motorcycle race team come from?
1: Yeah, thank you, Dale. So I raced motocross when I was a youngin. Looking at the timeline, I watched a guy named Steve Baker race flat tracker, or a local track, Hannigan Speedway in Bellingham, Washington. And he would win the flat track pretty handily. My grandma would take me to those races. Steve Baker ended up winning Daytona 200. He ended up being the first American world champion before Kenny Roberts, actually. Oh, wow. So Steve actually became my hero. And Baker lived close to my neighborhood. And my grandma would actually drive me down and I'd watch him ride around his lawn in his driveway at his house. Um, as time went on, I started racing at the local track, but flat track really wasn't me. It was motocross. And uh, back in the day, you actually had headlights. You took the headlights off and put on uh, paper plates and used felt pen <laughs> to mark over the, you know, put your number on the paper plate. I love that. Um, it was my mom's trail bike that she had that I took, of course, so that didn't make her too happy. I took the baffle out, you know, so it would sound loud. I think maybe in that time, FMF was starting to develop. I don't remember for sure. I do remember we had a, a local, like, I think they call them a Can-Am, so Canadian American motocross race. Briar Holcomb showed up and he was a pretty good national rider at that time. And he had a plastic fenders and plastic number plates and we had metal fenders and paper plate number plates and i i just remember i wanted to have like that cool plastic stuff which turned out to be pressed and petty yeah yeah so then i started racing motocross you know in the 70s 80s from there i went on i got hurt my knee and i went on to car racing i thought that'd be kind of cool to be a dirt track car racer and i did that for like 10 or 12 years and won quite a few championships at skagit speedway in washington state dirt track And then that kind of propelled me into the NASCAR series. I had a pretty good winning record. And actually, the France family at NASCAR recognized what I was doing and gave me an opportunity to build a NASCAR truck and join the series in the very beginning. So I did that for a few years. And I felt like that was getting really dangerous. People were dying quite often. A couple, three drivers a year were Dying, not necessarily from the truck series. One in particular, John Nemeczek, and I'm at John's funeral and talking to his dad and telling him I'm always telling my dad goodbye. I'm not sure why I said that, and he said that was my son, Mike, and it's not okay. And I kind of remember leaving that funeral thinking, wow, it's probably not okay to my dad if I die doing this either. The more we were going to like Daytona, uh, some of the faster tracks, Homestead, we'd been to. You're doing like 195, 200 miles an hour in a truck. I started feeling like it just wasn't really the place I wanted to be. Sitting in a truck going 200 miles an hour and facing the fact that my funeral might be coming up. So I don't know. I hate to say I chickened out, but I think that's kind of what happened. I didn't like the faster tracks. I didn't like where that was going with the truck series. So I had made some pretty good money by then. So I thought I would, my friends were all getting rich in the stock market. So I thought I'd retire, come home, and maybe get involved in the stock market make a long story short uh i pretty much lost all my money in the stock market within two or three years 2001 crash happened and there that went down the tube and i told my wife well it looks like i have to get a real job so i go to work for a company and the first guy i work with rides dirt bikes oh, no. <laughs> i know this is kind of a long story but he's like have you ever rode dirt bikes and i said oh yeah i was like washington state motocross champion and Used to race motocross, and I've raced cars. And he's like, you should go dirt bike riding up on the mountains with us. I got an extra bike, so I went with him. Man, did I ever have fun. I come home and I told my wife, "Ah, I had so much fun. I think I'm going to start a motorcycle team. And uh, I'll do it like NASCAR. So I had this thought and a purpose, you know, like build it really big and be like NASCAR teams are. You know, that's how I started, just with a hope, a wish, a vision, a dream. What I didn't know is as time goes on, our industry, the motorcycle industry, doesn't really have as many spectators and as much media and as much following to just build right up to like the NASCAR teams. What else I didn't know is the manufacturers in NASCAR like Ford, Chevrolet, Toyota, they all sponsor a team. They usually don't get involved personally in racing. They've all tried it and not done all that great at it. What I didn't realize is the motorcycle industry isn't, like NASCAR, like KTM, Yamaha, Kawasaki, they're actually pretty good at having their own teams. In off-road, maybe an exception with uh, Randy Hawkins, he's really figured out, you know, how to develop his own program that Yamaha supports. In a different way, I've kind of figured it out, you know, with KTM for RPM racing team, at least on a secondary level, maybe not the primary. I know Mitch Payton's done it with uh, Monster and Kawasaki. And uh, the more I do this, the more I respect what Mitch Payton has done and is doing. And actually to even be paralyzed in doing that is amazing. So the one other thing... I looked at motocross and off-road when I was going to start, and because this group I was riding with were all off-road riders, and I was having so much fun, and because motocross, I realized riders get injured, including myself, fairly quickly, and it ruins your hopes and your dreams. I thought off-road would be safer. I'll have more longevity with that, and even if it takes me longer to build up to this dream and vision I had, um, that's okay. Here I am 20-some years later. I still don't have that semi-truck and that NASCAR feel that I had hoped to get, but I'm at peace with where I'm at. I've done a lot. I've had some great riders. We've accomplished a lot in the motorcycle industry, especially in off-road racing. So heck, I'm at peace with what we're doing.
0: Well, it's amazing. Like If there was one of those decisions that you didn't make, like who knows if you'd be here right now? Like you said, you got to that point with the NASCAR truck. And I think it's the same way with dirt bikes. Like if you if you have fear in your mind, it's time to probably move on. Yeah. If that wouldn't have happened to you, who knows if you would have started the team. Yeah. Like I feel like your story is just, it's a story of perseverance because like you just keep pushing through no matter what. And, you know, as we know, how many teams have we seen during this 20 years that you've been doing this that have come and gone? You know, I mean, there's a lot of teams that are not around anymore.
1: Yeah. When I made my commitment to start this motorcycle team, I made a commitment to do it longer term and not let distractions stop me. In other words, you know, obstacles, hard to do things, tough times. And wow, have I ever seen, you know, everything from COVID recently to the 2008 housing market crash, a lot of people disappeared. And I made a commitment to keep digging and clawing my way no matter what. Actually, I have a little quote on my desk that says, a winner never quits and a quitter never wins. Yep, that's a great one. (laughs) I look at it every single day I get up. I mean, I have my days and, you know, I've watched these other people come and go. And so much has to do with kind of skill and luck in this industry, right? Like I chose to be with KTM years ago and they were not really winning very much. They weren't really a very big company. But they kept making better motorcycles, and they kept fixing their problems. And I tried one year with Kawasaki, but I got treated better at KTM. More person-to-person treatment, and it's still that way. More like family, I guess you'd say. And I I like that kind of environment. I like to run my race team more like family. You know, still, you got business to do, and, and you have to figure out how to win, hopefully. At least get podiums if you can. And, um, years ago, like I said, I lost money in the stock market. So I know what it feels like to lose your rear. So with racing, I've tried to guard myself more and not let myself get taken out by just one or two things that go wrong in the business world. Like that 08 housing crisis, that really knocked a lot of people out. You know, motorcycle people are, for some reason, they're like contractors and they're like car people and they're. People that build things and, you know, they do windows for other people. It's just a lot of them are contractors. And, man, a lot of them got taken out in 8 09. I'll never forget that. Uh, and here I was still standing. I kind of used to joke I was broke when I started, so I didn't feel the difference. I was still just broke.
0: <laughs> well, eventually, you know, that perseverance I was just mentioning paid off because, I mean, you've won some major titles through the years with some amazing riders. Like you mentioned Tristan Hart. Cody Webb won an cross championship. You got Dante and Mateo Oliveira, who've been super successful lately. And I think I even read on your site, you've won over 50 local, regional, and national
1: championships here in the U.S., Canada, and Mexico. So that's pretty cool. You got to be proud. Yeah. Over 60 now. Nice. Uh, <laughs> I know. Yeah. And again, a lot of it started in Canada. You know, it's closer to us in California. And you could get up there and, and kind of win some events and, and championships that made you feel good. What I didn't really realize, though, I went to a national, it was a hair scrambles event in Hollister, California, and I realized there that when you go to the national events that had the U.S. more prestigious, that's where you get the credibility with the sponsors. But then the next problem was, how do you beat the riders in those series? That was an interesting adventure. Definitely.
0: Well, it seems like in many ways, your team, RPM, has become kind of a feeder team for Factory KTM, would you? Would you agree?
1: Yeah. You know, somewhat accidental, somewhat on purpose. Uh, my relationship there started with uh, cheering for Kurt Caselli at an event. And uh, Rich Caselli said, why are you cheering for my kid? Well, we just liked the way he raced and his aggressive style. And and we go to the next event. I think we're at Washugo to be honest. And I swapped to KTM by then. And we built a really nice pit. And Rich Caselli came up and said, your pit looks as good or better than the KTM factory pit and you have (laughs) some great riders. How come they don't help you more? And I said, I don't know. It's like, I'm starting to figure out how to get podiums. I'm starting to do pretty well, but I sure can't get any help. And, um, he introduced me to Ron Heben, who was running the KTM race team at that time. This was at Washougal and Ron said, leaving the event, he said, when you get home, you write up an order. Here's my business card. Send me an email and order up some parts, and I'm going to approve a parts budget for your team. So I came home and I wrote up this order. It included like frames, <laughs> seats, and fuel tanks, and it, it was probably like ten or twenty thousand dollars worth of stuff. And Ron calls me, and he, after I sent it to him, he's like, No, 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 no. I'd, I I met like twenty five hundred dollars, like brake pads and <laughs> pistons and some, you know, a smaller order to get started. So I reduced the order and away we went and slugging it out for a year, just getting some parts somewhere about that same time. Uh, we had Maria Forsberg riding by then and she was starting to win a lot of women's races. I think we picked up like FMF and the Cherubies. Um, some of our early sponsors back then too, that have helped us and are still with us to this day.
0: On that note of sponsors, you've had these long-standing relationships with KTM and FMF. Are there a few others that you've kind of carried through the years or uh, have you kind of like moved around a little bit, I guess you could say?
1: You know, a little of everything. I mean, it's back to that. How do you know that you're good or lucky? You know, my decision to be with KTM had a lot to do with Rich Caselli and Kurt Caselli back in those early years and then the working relationships that have developed since and Honestly, I don't see myself ever being with any other brand in the future. You know, I've told my riders, like, if you can't win on a KTM, you just can't win. <laughs> yeah, it's probably true. Yeah. yeah. And so <laughs> I don't try to look at the brand and say, if I was with some other brand, I'd do better. That's really, it Would just doesn't make sense to me. So, you know, I stay loyal to the brand. They help me. I help them. And we, we get, you know, something accomplished from all of us. You know, backing up to what you asked me about becoming a feeder team. The main reason for that is I've never been able to get a really top dollar sponsor, like someone from the, you know, the more commercial side, let's say Home Depot would be a good example, you know, in a really strong budget. And so what happens, we get these riders that are extremely qualified. We start winning a lot. They can make decent money with me and the sponsors. We have pretty darn good money, but there's always a little more to offer at the KTM factory side with the Red Bull, the Austrian side, the you know, KTM North America, all the package of support they're able to put together. So there's a lot of horse trading goes on behind the scenes too, by the way. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know well when we talk about that, it reminds me I can remember my boss at KTM calling up and saying, you know, we know you had Cody Webb signed up for two years, but He won just about everything that could possibly be won in 2015. And we think we'd like him on the factory team in 2016. And I'm like, no way. Like, I want to keep him my second year. Like, I've never experienced winning so much as we won with him and at such prestigious events. And so I'm like, I kind of, I really want to keep him. And so we kind of had to wrestle a little bit for that. And they finally (laughs) said, hey, what if we, give you budget to help you know a few other riders like you know you take your pick so my pick was dante Oliveira, mateo Oliveira, and tristan hart wow great choices yeah i mean i didn't know that though i do now you know they ended up all three being factory riders currently they're on factory team right now so i guess that was a pretty good pick
0: yeah it's like you have a crystal ball like even your current team you know will and gus reardon I mean, these kids seem like they're phenoms. Like, I feel like you, if you look at all the names of the riders you, you bring up, they tend to go on to pretty successful careers.
1: Well, and sadly, I just traded Will and Gus.
0: <laughs> oh, no. We're, uh, so are they off to a factory ride now, too? Or
1: Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Will's with Gas Gas, and uh, Gus is with a KTM effort, that uh, a factory effort that's going to work with a different program back east. Uh, we had accomplished a lot, so we, we had kind of – pulled out of the back east events maybe three or four years ago five years and we're going to focus more on the west and let trail adjusters focus on the east and then angus Reardon came to me one day and said i think i want to go gncc racing i know that's where josh strang is and my, uh, my parents are buying a house in north carolina and i'm like well let me present that to ktm and they're like well we could try it do you think he can get podium and, and i said i I'm pretty sure. I mean he has the speed. He just doesn't really know how to get around the trees. But he'll figure that out. He's young and, you know, adaptable. And yeah, so the last round he actually won in Indiana and uh finished second in points in X C two class at G N C C. He won the sprint enduro championship, um, in X C two class. So I guess the kid did quite well.
0: Yeah. You mentioned trail gestures. I I think I read where they're actually going away, which was surprising to me because they're one of those teams that's probably been around almost as long as you have.
1: Yeah. A fair amount after me. But once they came on the scene, that's when I kind of decided they could cover that and I would cover the West. And we really never made that deal, but they were darn good at it on their side. And I was darn good at it on our side. And, you know, the travel, the less travel is kind of appealing to me. And also, you know, because I'm not there, I don't really find the riders that are there quite as much. And I'd already tried that, too, with some earlier riders, Chris Bach, Jesse Ansley, great people. Jesse Ansley and I won a ton of GNCC uh, in the early years at the, like, the Super Mini and the 125 Pro. I think we won two 125 Pro championships at GNCC. And then when he was getting ready to move up, That's about when KTM and I decided it'd be best to let Trail Jester focus a little more at that. I'd focus a little more at the West. And then somewhere along that line, I've come up with Gus and Will Reardon. And, you know, Gus like, I want to go and do GNCC. And I'm like, hey, KTM, can I change my mind? (laughs) Uh, So uh, the tip of the day, by the way, so if my crystal ball works properly or not, the future will tell us. Um, So the Will and Gus deal. Um, I took on a new kid, Jaden Donners, from Enunclaw, Washington. And I honestly think he's the next big deal. And I'm not sure exactly what yet. We're going to do Endurocross. We're going to do Western Hair Scramble to start out. But he has tremendous GNCC capabilities as well. Uh, We're just going to give it a year or two and kind of go from there.
0: If I'm not mistaken, that's another kind of legacy name with Jason Donners' son, right? Yep. I was trying to think of his name because I'm like, he's another rider that comes to mind that was really good. I think he might have won a National Hair Scramble Championship or something back in the day.
1: But Yeah. And Dale, that national race I went to that I talked to earlier at Halster, California, Mm -hmm. I actually uh, went there with a mentor of mine that was a local racer in six days. He'd been to six days, five or six times. Lyle Duranzo, We call him Lyle the legend. Nice. I'm with Lyle. And I meet this guy, this Jason Donners, who was a badass. He was from Washington. He was a top five national hair scramble guy. And sure enough, you know, he was fast that day. I think he had some mechanicals. Something went wrong. He was also on KTM. So that kind of woke me up to how good KTMs are then. And actually, uh, the Gerhan brothers were first and second that weekend, Brian and Patrick Gerhan. Uh, and to this day, Patrick Gerhan is a KTM rep in California, and I still work with him all the time. So when we're at Halster, I meet Jason Donners. I meet his girlfriend, Joyce. They end up getting married. They have this kid. And here we are 20 some years later, the kid starts winning stuff. A year or two ago, I noticed he started winning all around. I looked at my wife and I said, wow, here's a local kid that's really getting the job done. And he comes from that, you know, the great family um, background that you like to see, you know, they're around racing all the time too. And, yeah so now we'll see if my crystal ball's right or not i'm I'm pretty sure I'm right,
0: so you're gonna keep like the I think you had two brothers, Tristan and uh, j p. Alvarez, and then your your women's champion Caitlin Jacobs,
1: right yeah, and Caitlin Jacobs. she's been uh knocking off championships for us. uh she won the Western hairscramble a couple of years ago, champion there. she won works women's championship this year extremely talented rider her father sal jacobs has become a really close friend of mine and pretty much manages rpm racing team now from start to finish almost everything we do um we think alike i've tried to bring in like managers that tried to help you know that said they could do the job and there have always been good people good intentions but we didn't always think perfectly alike and we didn't mm-hmm. always work through our disagreements so with Sal, I've had a lot of time. We've worked together, and it, there was never an intention that we he would actually manage the team. It's just over time we just work together so well, and we think so much alike. I asked him if he'd take on that role. You know, I bumped up some of the uh, per diem, the travel, the performance dollars to help him, help me, and sure enough, it's it's working out really, really well.
0: Uh, that's got to make a huge difference, you know, when everybody's clicking and kind of feeling like you're all part of that, you know, same team. It's got to make things, you know, go a little smoother on the weekend and just be more fun in general.
1: Yeah, it does. And then JP Alvarez and his brother Tristan Alvarez were pretty much an easy pick too. I saw JP Alvarez beat Mateo Oliveira. I think Mateo hadn't been riding for me yet, but I saw JP beat him and every time we showed up in a year or two after that, I always worried about him being a guy that was going to beat us, you know, at every race. Uh, but he had some injuries, some knee injury problems that were kind of holding him back. And then the the Robbie Bell Kawasaki deal lost out on their 250 Pro support. And so I asked both Robbie and JP, you know, what's it look like for the next year? That was the year before last, and they said we don't have any help for him. And I'm like, I'm going to lose Mateo Oliveira, and I would like to put a 250 Pro on RPM and And uh, JP was my pick. He ended up second works points this year, battling for the championship all year. And the last three races to go, Um, he crashed pretty hard. He got a bit of a head concussion. And when we have that happen, we don't push our riders to try to ride through injury, especially concussion, right? So I asked him and his father, let's just take the rest of the year, you know, not race anymore and make sure we get healed up 100% from that. Probably could have went back at it the very next week, but I feel better that we took time to get him healed up, and I think he's going to be a contender this year for works and for um, national grand prix 250 pro championship. And then his brother Tristan, when he came on, he was 16, he's 17 now. He won the 125 works pro championship for us uh, in 2023, so we're on track with that kid for sure.
0: Before you finish today's episode.
1: I'm
0: curious to know, um, through all this, all this time running this team, what's been more rewarding for you? Like winning the titles or the relationships you built with riders and sponsors through the years? I mean, I think I know the answer. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Well, yeah, I don't know if you do know the answer because, you know, but you caught me off guard with the question. Like, it's not (laughs) something I could really say, but I know my heart. I know what, what made it the most rewarding, like the moments, right? Not the yeah. longevity of time, but just the moments. So the first thing that happened in 2011, I think it was, Maria Forsberg won X Games in LA. We showed up there. We had like five riders. We had like Ivan Ramirez from Mexico and the guy class. And we didn't even practice. It was in Endurocross, right? And the first time ever at X Games. And none of us had ever been to big marketing events like that. And You know, again, back then I had my dream of being this NASCAR-looking team. And, man, I could sure see with all the sponsors and all the media and everything around X Games, that was my chance to make a little more headway in that moving up the game of promoting and sponsors and whatnot. So my guys all did lousy, but Maria Forsberg won the women's race. And uh, and I looked at my phone after the win, and it was ringing from my mom and dad. It was my dad. Uh, calling to tell me congratulations. And previous to going there, he asked, Why the hell were we doing that? <laughs> and I said, Because I thought we had a chance to win it. Maria's a pretty good rider. She's so been winning a lot of events. And he's like, There's no way there's one person in the world that's going to win that. And it's not going to be your rider. And I didn't want to dig on Dad. I mean, I get what he's saying. It is kind of impossible, but I just felt like, Wow, that was rewarding when she won that. Cause we did sort of do something that was impossible. From looking back at, her and I going up to Canada, racing all around Washington State, Oregon, Idaho. We used to go to 50 or 60 races a year. Her dad worked all the time and I worked a lot too, but her mom drove a lot. I drove a lot. We just kept traveling. You know, We didn't have any money, hardly any sponsors at all, but we just kept doing it. We loved it. We were winning a lot in the women's races everywhere we went. And when she won that, everything changed you know not only was my heart right that i accomplished something but obviously the sponsors um we gained a lot of credibility with them like where i had to call and beg they were starting to call me and ask you know hey what's up with you guys for next year And i'm like oh we can work something out (laughs) so we got really 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 good with the the women right with maria winning and i remember the famous line from the factory hey we would like to take Maria to our you know, factory team. I'm like, oh, man. <laughs> and we had been 10 or 11 years together, nine years, a long time, Maria and I. We, like, She was with me when we were, definitely had no sponsors or nothing. And uh, we were just doing it for fun at first. And actually, I didn't even realize adding a woman to the team would have much value. It was more for the fun. But then I did start to realize the value because she was the only one winning. The guys still weren't really winning much. So, you know, when you said accomplishments and what I felt, you know, rewarding, the next thing that happened was I saw that I could grab Cody Webb. I was getting good enough with sponsors. I had a good enough reputation, had some good riders from the past. I knew I'd have enough credibility to talk to Cody Webb about racing for our team. He hadn't won anything yet, but I could sure see that he was going to. Well, so I started early, like March, April of that year, I think, 2014 it was. And I said, do you have a, a locked-in contract with Beta? He says, no. And I said, well, do they have a right to refusal, like to meet or beat any deal I put together? He said, no, they don't have anything. And I don't even know if I'm going to be racing for him next year. And I'm like, oh, man. So I started calling sponsors. I got Cody signed up, got him really good sponsors lined up, had the most finances and money I'd ever had lined up. Well, I lined up everything for Cody and nothing for me, <laughs> <laughs> but it still ended up being you know the good move to make in the long run, but it, we did really well. So when Cody started out, we go to Daytona, Florida and they have EnduroCross there for the first time ever. And guess what, Cody Webb wins it. Well, you know I told you my NASCAR story, so I was already around Daytona, I was around all the NASCAR people. Nothing could be more rewarding, you know. First, winning X Games with Maria, yeah. But second, going to Daytona and winning. Like, my first time there, I don't think they had any more after that, even at Daytona for some reason. But the Enduro Cross Race there, we won it. Cody won it. And man, oh, man, did that ever make me a happy camper. So those were a couple long-lasting memories. And I got to also say, though, the one thing Cody did for me Uh, he showed everybody else that if you ride a bike for RPM racing team and a KTM and all the sponsors we have and you use their product, you can win a race. So previous to that, my riders, my guy riders kept telling me that basically I was doing everything wrong, that I had the wrong sponsors, I had the wrong product, I had the wrong this, had the wrong that. And Cody took everything that everyone else previously said wouldn't work and won everything with it. So that kind of changed how i looked at picking riders for the future also you know like it doesn't mean when you ride for me you have to say everything works great but it's like it's the rider it's not the bike and i don't let riders convince me different nowadays
0: yeah it's like a mindset shift you know like you knew the doubts were erased and you knew that you had the tools to, that you could give to a racer to win a championship now
1: yeah i never forget too with cody he's i said do you think the front tire is working? Because my previous riders were telling me, and one of his teammates that year was telling me the front tire just, it's not grabbing good enough. And Cody said, he looked at me kind of sideways and said, why would the front tire be touching the ground, Mike? <laughs> I'll never forget that. Especially in a cross, right? <laughs> I'll never, ever, ever forget that, you know? So riders better not tell me their front tire is not working because, man, I got a line for them. <laughs>
0: Well, Mike, loved hearing all your stories or some of your stories, you know, from...
1: Yeah, you can't hear them all in this short time.
0: Yeah. Well, as your team motto states, success is our only option. So I'm just, I'm looking forward to seeing what you're going to do in 2024. Anything new and exciting that you have planned for 2024 that you haven't done before?
1: I mean, just the fact we have Jaden Donners, you know, now um, we'll see what we can accomplish with him. And we have a great group of sponsors, FMF and KTM. And uh, Dunlop tires at Cheruby's. I'm really excited about that. Motorex oil. I'm excited about working with them again for probably our 15th year, at least with them. And mostly, you know, Dale and all this talk, the one person I didn't get to throw credit to is my wife, Sherry, who, uh, we've been married for 43 years. Congratulations. And, um, you know, all the things I've done and accomplished, she gets more credit for the behind the scenes, everything. Uh, Ask the riders, by the way, she writes their checks. <laughs>
0: well, you're doing great things. You're a great guy. All that you've given to motorcycle, off-road motorcycle racing. How can listeners out there follow and support the RPM Racing Team?
1: Well, there's lots of ways. rpmracingteam.com, or website. Um, hopefully they're going to Keep after your podcast. Yeah. Well, I definitely want to have some of your
0: riders on next year. So let's talk about that. Yeah. Coming up next year and get some of them on the show.
1: Yeah, that could be interesting too. Caitlin's really good and um well all these kids are good. And uh Jaden Donner's he's oh man, he's fun. I mean, he snowboards and does everything else too, besides just motorcycles, right? So he's just all about fun and it's gonna be an interesting future with that kid.
0: Sounds exciting. I'm looking forward to seeing what RPM Racing does in twenty twenty four. Mike, thank you so much for your time today. Really appreciate it. Uh, anything else you want to share with our listeners before we sign off? Now would be the time.
1: No, we're good, Dale. And thank you for your time. And thank you for what you're doing for the industry.
0: If you enjoyed this episode, follow PitPass Moto on your favorite podcast listening app so you never miss an episode. And if you have a moment, please rate and review our show. We'd greatly appreciate it. You can also follow us on social media or visit pitpassmotorsports.com, where you can listen to the past episodes and check out the new Pit Pass Motorsports blog, powered by Podium Life, featuring articles and industry news focused exclusively on two-wheel and four-wheel motorsports. Head to pitpassmotorsports.com to check it out. I'm Dale Spangler. I hope you'll join us next week for another episode of Pit Pass Moto. Thanks for listening. The Hammerdown Racing Report, available weekly on your favorite podcasting platform.